Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Here's the Thing podcast here at Louisville Baptist Church in bright and sunny Moncton, New Brunswick. We've had Way to a- go. approaching 48 hours of sunshine, and we're pretty much over the moon about it because that is approximately 50% of what we can expect for the total for the year in this part of the country, it seems. So we're pretty happy with how things are outside, and uh, it's been actually... I guess uh, two weeks now since we've been back with the podcast, we had a week off and we're actually going to take a step back and uh, revisit the teaching from what will be two weeks ago, I guess two Sundays ago um, for this week's podcast. So if you're new to us, we're just uh, we're trying to continue the discussion uh, out of the teaching that happens here at Louisville each Sunday uh, and discuss some of the points that come up in the in the sermon and uh, engage with some discussion with you. If you have questions or comments, you can always send them to here's the thing at louisvillebaptistchurch.com or you can engage with us on Facebook uh, and be sure and subscribe on iTunes or you can find us on SoundCloud as well. And we're in the middle of a series called A Gracious Choice uh, and it's all about worship and we've lifted that phrase from an old hymn that says, uh, praise is his gracious choice. And it's been an interesting uh, series so far, and lots of good discussion has come out of it, even here on the podcast, and looking forward to continuing that today. And I'm here, I I guess I can start saying I'm here as always with Mr. Mark Moore. I am here as always, usually. And over there is Mr. Gordon McLeod as well. Hi, everyone. He, just to point out, he just waved uh, knowing full well no one would be able to but see But the funny him. thing is he didn't wave at you or me. He just <laughs> waved off towards the corner. It was like, hello. So if you're listening, you should feel warm in your it's heart. It's the communicator, okay? <laughs> the communicator is using different things. Give me a break, you guys. <laughs> well, they always say in sales you should smile even when you're on the phone because people can feel it in your voice. So maybe that's... It just looks so awesome. They can feel the smile, the, the wave, right? <laughs> that's right. It's just, the, it's just the two stacks of chairs over there. So I'm wondering, like, hello! Okay, is so your in case you're listening and you didn't see that, which you couldn't, I'm waving right now. <laughs> and there's going to be somebody who's, like, super plugged in and on your team who's going to be like, I felt it, Gord. I knew you were waving, <laughs> you know? and I felt it in my heart. This is a perfect time to shadow Gary Rouse, because I bet you he felt it. Yeah, anybody. Gary's, a, I don't know if he's a listener or not, but he's, oh, he's he on is. board. He is. <clears throat> so, shenanigans aside, um, we're going to go back to, like I said, it was uh, two Sundays ago uh, that... The topic was the text came out of Isaiah 6, and you had a guest with you as well. We had a couple weeks in a row where sort of some of us worship practitioners joined you for a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit about what your guest Tim Milner had to say. Uh, But why don't you give us just that brief recap to remind everybody where we went. Isaiah 6, a pretty famous worship passage. I think everyone who leads worship or writes about worship gets around to this text at some point or another because... um, Uh, Isaiah has spent what we understand to be chapter 5 declaring God's woes on everybody else and then come to chapter 6 and he said in the year that King Uzziah died, uh, King Uzziah overstepped his bounds as king, tried to do what a priest is supposed to do and leprosy broke out on his forehead and when he died it was well known that he was a leper. And so he had seen the judgment of God. So then Isaiah, in that year, says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And so he gets this vision of God in the temple. His train fills the temple. Uh, There are seraphim, which means fiery beings, angels, 
uh, six-winged angels back and forth and uh, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts and uh, the whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah gets this picture of God as he is a glimpse and it, it just crushes him because then he declares, woe is me. It was one thing to declare it to everybody else, but now when he sees God, it comes home to him and he says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. He doesn't know what to do. And um, one of the seraphim takes tongues and takes a coal from the altar, touches his lips and says, I have touched your lips. Uh, Your sin is taken away. You are cleansed. And his immediate response when God says, so, uh, who's going to go for us? And Isaiah's pretty quick response is, here am I, send me. And the point we made was that the best worship happens when we have a clear view of God, which then leads to a clear view of us. And when we have those, there's a connective between worship and our serving. When we are at that place of pouring out to God, then there's also a connection in terms of our hearts being willing then to serve God. Hmm. So can I ask a question? And this would be out of order from what we we sort of discussed ahead of time. Um, but if we f- sort of follow that sequence of events as you just laid it out, uh-huh. a clear picture of God being the first step. So um, I guess this is a phrasing or a, a topic that gets tossed around uh, that sounds negative but get used it gets used quite a bit in worship circles that i don't know if we we ever always unpack or really consider what we're saying when we talk about worship being a response so in this case in isaiah's case he had a, a <laughs> as clear a picture of god yeah, sure. as we're aware of scripturally speaking so uh-huh. what how does that work what's the role of revelation i guess and not the the book at the end, but right. of God showing up and saying, here I am, here is, here's a, a piece of who I am in our midst. What role does that play in worship? Is it, is it a prerequisite? Is it necessary? What would your... I, I'm not sure I would put those words, prerequisite or a necessity on it, but here's what I would say, is that if you read through the Psalms, Psalms, hymn book of Israel... David wrote a lot of them. Sons of Korah wrote some. You know, there are others who wrote psalms, the hymns of Israel. Just go through and mark how many of them involve clear revelation of who God is and what he's done. Mm. In fact, most often the worship call is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary for he has done great things. And so this revelation of God, um, Matt Redmond in his book, The Undignified Worship, or The Unquenchable Unquenchable Worshiper, says that there's an ebb and flow. And quickly he says, um, God reveals and we respond. Mm. And I think that's pretty clear through the whole of the Psalms. So I think it's safe to say that that's a principle, that God reveals himself whether that's through the word or whether that's through, you know, like George Eldon Ladd says, God reveals himself understandably to man through history. Whether we see the hand of God in history, whether we see the hand of God in our own lives, whether we see the hand of God through the scriptures, 
and the stories of the scriptures, we understand who God is, and that elicits a response from us right. that we call worship. And I think it seems to me anyway that it, it, if, he, if you allow that question to take you into a deeper discussion of revelation in general, and you begin to have the discussion about general revelation and special revelation and scripture and history and that sort of thing, that that certainly m- makes it easier to to suggest that revelation has sort of an integral role in our worship. It gets it, it feels odd to suggest that it does if you're only talking about the kind of revelation that Isaiah experienced because I don't know too many people who've yeah. had it, right? But but if you're to, if you're to include that that God being the one who chose to be known to us in the first place in a variety of ways that that's the starting place for worship and that could, that could mean experiencing nature and looking at creation and saying there this there is a plan somebody made this and i i want my heart wants to respond to that and say thank you and you're amazing and that th- there's there's outer rings that that still sure. fit inside that I mean, circle the psalmist says the heavens declare the right. glory the the glory of god greater your lord greatly to be praised <clears throat> Uh, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And so there were a couple of things I would say there. Yes, certainly the revelation of God's creation can lead us to worship. But further to that, the revelate, though, though, no, the creation itself brings glory to God. Right. Psalm 148, the call from the psalmist is, uh, let the angels declare the goodness of God and, and praise the Lord, but then goes through a whole list, the deep sea, the things that live in the deep sea, the mountains, the lightning, the hail, the snow, the rain, like it's an entire listing of creation, the creeping things, the fish, the birds, um, the beasts of the field, like everything gets mentioned because the very creation which then puts you in a different headspace when you think of Jesus with the, um, with the religious leaders the day of the triumphal entry, mm-hmm. where they say, well, you got to tell these people to be quiet. And he says, well, if they're quiet, the very rocks are going to cry out. Right. It is built into the fabric of creation to worship God. And, and there is a, there's, there's an element of the created thing's existence, just existing, that, to use the word, declares something about its creator. Just the fact that this, this thing exists speaks to the existence of the creator. I, I just think it's interesting. I, d- I don't have access to, in my mind or anywhere else at this moment, what the original text, the original word would have been for declare. But in the English, it's interesting that it, the heavens declare the glory of God. That's... I think that's a unique or a special choice yeah. of words there. I, I I think that's interesting when you talk about that because if you think about just the beauty of creation and when you can just go and, you know, so many people are, you know, some find beauty in certain animals and some find beauty in the ocean and some find beauty in the mountains or whatever. But just thinking about it as it was created to glorify God and how it is a thing of beauty that kind of changes how you actually look at things and not just think like, oh, that's really cool when you think like that was created as a form of worship essentially, right? Mm. 
And you know where I think that strikes us often? When we see animals that we, for example, animals that we don't normally see. Mm. For example, we see dogs, cats, I don't know, canaries, goldfish, cows, horses, on and on. Lions, tigers, bears, oh my. (laughs) But when, for example, we're in a position to see something that we don't normally see, and it kind of takes our breath away for a minute, and you say, wow, Mm. wow, that is... So you see a Bengal tiger in the zoo for the first time, and you're only 10 feet away, and you're saying, oh, my goodness. That is a beast right mm-hmm. there. I think there's something to say, too, for seeing, like, let's, if we're specifically talking about animals right now, um, seeing it in the wild, but seeing it up close in the wild, too. Like, I remember, I forget where, what, what I was doing, but like seeing a bald eagle really, really close. And really yes. Thinking, Man, that thing is massive. And then it takes off, and it's got this it's, massive wingspan. And it's so graceful, oh, and yeah. it just floats, and you're saying... Man, that was not by accident. Yeah. No way. And you can uh, see them whenever you want at your local dump. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but there is a, a there's a bald eagle population at the dump. No, no, no. That Those is... are seagulls, man. Those no, are... I'm <laughs> telling you what. He he's not joking. There's like twenty yeah, of them I know. or something. It's the oddest contrast. That's not the backdrop you typically think of for a bald eagle. It's usually yeah. an American flag or something. But in this yeah, case, yeah. it's a big pile of garbage. Big uh, dump. Back on track. I it's. I, going to tie it back to our recent weeks at Louisville, but I, I remember seeing an interview or reading an interview from Steve Bell, who was here just a couple of weeks yeah. ago, who was talking about this sort of a broader exploration of this. Everything either is worship or can and should inspire uh, a response of worship for us, and he was he was trying to give an example of how you know he's a, a kid who grew up in Canada and loves hockey, and he said I can remember specific instances watching Wayne Gretzky do what he does and having a thank you God, praise God. That was that was a beautiful <laughs> thing to watch, kind of response yeah. of just like that he could do that with his body or whatever else, and I, it's one of those things that makes you chuckle when you hear it, but. And Mark's laughing right now as we speak. He's not a hockey fan, I guess but, that's but why. Just just to go a little any any of us in Canada who grew up near a pond or a lake that would freeze. And when they freeze without wind and it's just like a mirror. Mm. It just all it is is ice. Yep. Ice. But you almost hesitate to skate on it because you don't want to ruin it. Right. Like it's that beautiful. And yet we do skate on it, and that's good, and it's fun and all that. But, but there is a sense. Yeah, and you have the like I I my brain will spin out if I let it on, trying to think of like well what what even is beauty like how how could you not. It, my experience anyway. How how do you not draw the conclusion that there's something built in or bigger going on, when you look at how we respond to seeing that it's just stuff quote-unquote, naturally occurring or growing around us. Like, why does a, a bunch of rock pointing up into the sky with the sun, again, quote-unquote, setting behind it, why does that do physically do something to us that we just gasp or have a, you know... And you want to hang around all afternoon and just watch it. Right. And, and if you can't, you find Bob Ross, and he paints it for you, and it's, even, it's <laughs> yeah. just almost just as awesome. It, <laughs> 
absolutely happy accidents <laughs> all yeah. the way. Yeah. No, it, it's also like, and I'm just, I keep going back to this, but like, there's so many things that are beautiful to so many different people. And that, like, there's such a wide spectrum of, it's not just like we can all agree on only one, this one thing is beautiful. Like, insects are beautiful to some people, landscapes are beautiful to other people. And if you if you allow yourself to sort of put that lens on or open that use that radar or whatever, mm-hmm. I think that just to go back and try to redeem the butchering I did of the Steve Bell story, I don't think it was anything about like how much he loves hockey or mm-hmm. loves the Oilers. He was just having a moment of like when this guy applied his life to this, and there's some natural gifting there, and and hockey and the rules of it and whatever are completely arbitrary and made up. But just in this moment, if I just look at that and say. This this guy and his body, he can do stuff that that does something to me to watch that I can't do that I'm drawn to and whatever. Mm. And it just if you let everything into that conversation and just say, even even just that, you can say, God, it you are far above what I could ever understand. And this is amazing, and I I, I enjoyed this, and I, you're the one to thank that I can enjoy anything. You know. So so we've gone over this road before. But the whole idea of glory, kavod, mm, right, being big, large, weighty, that God is made big, and that's what it is to glorify him. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth paints a big picture of God. Right. From the little yellow tree frogs in, in the jungle to the waterfalls, to the ocean, to the whales, like <laughs> pick one. Right to a a really rich interaction relationship with another person to something completely pure and heartwarming that a kid says or does to you know all of it is yeah. The whole <clears throat> earth is full. The whole earth is meant to make a big picture of God. And that's that's a prayer that I we pray often as we take start out on a Sunday morning is that that there would be a large picture painted of God this morning yeah. that we in our leadership would participate in that and that God in His mercy would reveal Himself to be large in our midst and capture our attention and focus and and just make Himself large in our midst that, that and, and I guess that that's a segue to take us to that next part of the Isaiah story. So you have this revelation experience where God shows up and makes himself large and uh, and his response to that is the next section. And you and Tim engaged with this in the in in talking about confession and the role of confession in worship. Yeah, because one of the things that we as humans avoid is the whole idea of having something to confess. And we, we do a couple of things with it. We will either say, yeah, I, I acknowledge I got lots to confess. And so we confess in a, in a general blanket kind of sense that avoids words like, I lied, I stole, I gossiped, I lusted, I, whatever it was. Like insert the, the sin verb here. And... Um, I think we avoid that, and then that avoids one of the sweetest places there is in the human experience, Hmm. is that place where you confess it to God, which is confession is simply calling it what God calls it. So we come, 
So maybe we're in worship. Let the, if we can just step through it a little. We're in worship, and there is some, uh, something in what we sing or a portion of Scripture that we read that takes us to the cross, takes us to the sacrifice of Christ, takes us to God's holiness, and then we are then captured by the fact that we are anything but that. Mm-hmm. And then we say, <clears throat> "Excuse me, Lord, me, and we can name it. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse nine, 8, he says, if, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. Truth isn't in you. Isn't in you yeah. But if you confess your sin, if you call it what God calls it, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. And the psalm says that how, how sweet it is for the one whose sin is covered. Like that is the sweet spot for us as human beings to know that we have come, quote unquote, face to face with God, confessed our sin, and hear him say, forgiven, covered, cleansed, and go away to, as they say, sleep the sleep of the redeemed because your mind and heart are put at ease about your sin. And as long as we avoid that, we can never get to that place of peace. We can never get to that place of being reconciled with God and of being in the place he wants us to go because he opened the way, he created it. Isaiah was just overwhelmed. (laughs) He kind of had no choice in the matter. He comes in, he sees God, he's blown away, woe is me. But for for we who come to worship week by week, and we'll avoid the confession place. We miss out on some of the best stuff God has for us. Do you think there's part of that is is the fact that it is such a, paradox might be a strong word, but there's a tension-ridden relationship there. I guess similar to the one that that may come up out of the book of James when you talk about faith and works about how it's a it's a yes and yes kind of yeah. or a no and no kind of situation where we could you could have a sunday where your worship leader is saying you are free in christ to cry out mm-hmm. and worship your sin is behind you and is no more you're not chained to it you're forgiven walk in that freedom you know kind of yeah and he would be right Correct. and you would have you could have the same sunday where, or another week and say your sin is clogging the channel between you and God and and blocking that expression. Yeah, and which un- was what Tim said. Right. Yeah. Just to paraphrase where he was going. And both are both are true, but neither is exhaustive in the sense. So you, you kind of maybe the first one sounds a little more soothing. Uh, just to you know, I I don't have to worry about this. It's covered. It's whatever. And 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 it is. But God God may, on any given day, want to do business on a certain item in any of our lives. And I was talking with a a good friend the other day, a guy from the church here, and we were talking about stories when we flat out lied to our fathers, right, about wrongdoing because uh-huh. we knew if we fessed up. Oh boy! Just for <laughs> clarification, I I never participated yeah, in that yeah. activity at one point. <laughs> just in case he's listening. Oh, are we ever gonna? Are we ever gonna <laughs> talk to your dad? My 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 father carried a gun. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You uh, you were living the with RCMP the child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just sorry to no. 
So, you know, did you do that? And because we felt the wrath was going to fall. No, what, me? Are you kidding me? We might have dodged the bullet for the day. But, you know... Be sure your sin will find you out and all of that. You are standing on a landmine. <laughs> on a landmine. And so, you know, analogies. people, I think, one of the things we can do, I'm just going to cut to the chase on that, is what if we came to worship every week, and what if one of the first things we prayed in the minute we're sitting down before everything starts is to say, God, if there's something I need to know, let me know it. Mm-hmm. And, and it wouldn't have to be when we come on Sunday. This could be any morning when we get up and we go to the desk, you know, or go sit in a chair and open the Scripture. God, if there's something I need to get rid of here, please let me know. And, and it's a perspective change from I need to do this in order to ensure my salvation or that I escape wrath or whatever, that that is taken care of. That's done. But it's a a curation of the relationship and a living up to what you've already obtained, attained, I guess, scripturally speaking. It it makes me think of the the analogy that John Stackhouse shared with us about the kid coloring on the tablecloth and that, okay, you're forgiven, this relationship is repaired, but that tablecloth is still covered in crayon marks. We still have to deal with that. We still have to deal with that. that. And that was a, a, a cross analogy, but it sort of... And, and then Tim made mention, you know, this you've got this conduit, and the conduit gets clogged. Right. And until you come to that place of saying, my role is to confess that it's clogged and what it's clogged by. Right. And then it's God's role to unclog it. Mm-hmm. And he says he will. But there, I, I suspect, because I've done it, and so I don't see myself as being outside the brackets on this at all, that we have people who come every week who, for whatever reason, won't confess the clog. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they love Jesus. They are going to heaven. That doesn't change that. But in terms of the relationship. Right. And, and, uh, and each of us have our... our periodic struggles with that oh, as yeah. well right like oh yeah I, there are people on stage leading worship who have their moments with that struggle sure. as well right like yeah yeah and and so i think isaiah is clear teaching because there was there's no arguing it there right he saw god he saw himself he confessed right was me i am undone mm-hmm and interesting to just as we as the plane comes into land to to follow that that path through from God's revelation to our response, including confession, our picture of who we are, and then out the other end comes this serving thing, and we yes. are here to serve church. Isn't it interesting that if we were if we're to to take that as an example, that our best our best chance, our best, <clears throat> excuse me, our best opportunity at being great servants is not necessarily trying to be better servants. It's getting a clear picture of God, having a clear understanding of who we are and confessing that and pouring ourselves out into worship 
and that the posture after getting those things right is, here am I, send me. See, Isaiah, you notice that in the text, Isaiah never asks, uh, send me where? To do right. what? What's the job? <laughs> What's the job? <laughs> like, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's that, uh, well, who will go for us? Here am I, send me. Right. And it's um, so often we're, uh, I don't know what we'd call it, hedging our bets. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had a thought that I just wanted to loop back to, and this is more of a, I guess, a, a partly a shop talk thing for uh, leading worship, but I, I would say that that's why it's important. The revelation part of it, to me, makes the case for the importance of including Scripture in our worship experiences. And the, Tim is a great example of this. He's meticulous with it and, and it reminds me frequently, even just by his example, of remembering to either to just flat out read it, which is the best bet, or to highlight where it appears in songs or refer to it in your yeah. leading in your prayer. Because the if, the if Revelation does play that important of a role, that's an opportunity for us to literally hear God's voice together and then respond to it. And so so missing the the opportunity to include that I think is a mistake. I I think so too that that um there are certain theological truths. You guys know lots of the the people listening will know that I've spent a lot of my life around the topic of the cross and the language of the atonement and mm-hmm. so on. To this day there is not a hymn or a chorus about the cross that I can get through without tears because Jesus says in spirit and in truth and the truth that I have hung around more than anything else is the truth of the cross and what Jesus accomplished there and that leads me to a worship that's unparalleled for me anywhere else and so I think when God brings truth to us and he points stuff out in the worship, in the word, in something a worship leader says, and then takes us to the worship that, that reflects and responds to that. Oh, those are some of the best days there are in terms of worship. Hmm. And will lead us to say, what can I do? Right. Yeah. Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I feel pretty good about the ground we've covered so far, and we're trying to stay relatively consistent with where we land time-wise. So I think we'll wrap it up. And just as we do, um, we've we've mentioned his name enough times, I feel like I should uh, do a little plug uh, and a thank you to Tim for his involvement. Tim Milner, who is the Dean of Chapel at Crandall University and a uh, very gifted and long-serving worship leader. And him and his wife, Doralee, and their family have been plugged, here, plugged in here at Louisville for a little while now, and Tim uh, is part of our team when he's available. He's on the road a lot, but uh, I've appreciated having him uh, serve and lead Very here. gracious with his serving and time and so on. Gifted him and, and Dorley both. Yeah, absolutely. And he's actually, um, he's got a couple of books that he's written. The first one, I believe, is called For the Renown of His Name, and this most recent one is called How Right Worship Changes Us, which is sort of right down the pipe of the discussion yep. today. 
so I'm sure you can find either of those online or you can talk to Tim uh, if you'd like to read one. And I'm sure he'd appreciate the support. And I did want to mention, too, that Tim has a unique opportunity coming up this summer. He's been writing uh, songs for a long time for the church, and we, we have used and do use uh, some of them even here at Louisville as well. And he has an opportunity to record a few of those this summer in Nashville with a, a very... I hesitate to say well-known because that's not really the point, but a guy who has a great track record in uh, producing songs for the church with guys like uh, Chris Tomlin, who's a young worship leader. I think things are really going to turn out well for. Um, Anyway, (laughs) uh, he's got this opportunity, uh, which could be a really great thing for him and his ministry, and it's going to cost a pile of money. So he would appreciate any support anybody out there is able to give, and I'm sure you'd get great music in return as well i'm looking forward to hearing it and uh again you can find him on facebook or at crandall or come up to him here at church on sunday and ask more about that we would love to see that go well for uh him and doralee so i guess that pretty much brings it to an end for today it was fun again as always lads any parting shots uh no i i I got my fill i think yeah (laughs) (laughs) thanks so everybody make sure you go to the dump and check out the eagles i guess is the moral of this story and uh feedback and questions always welcome here's the thing at louisvillebaptistchurch.com or on facebook and until then we shall see you next week oh no not see you that's the waving problem we had yeah see you're you got it now all right cut it's gone get get us out of here before i make a mess of this and bye see ya see ya